I'm Daniel. My pronouns are he and him. I'm Robert, and my pronouns are also he and him. And, and this is Grizzly Kiki. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as a meet and greet with James Charles. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95 and they offer great customer service. I should know. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. Who doesn't love that? (laughs) Choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way you can try on all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. We don't need people seeing things blurry. And Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm now considering a divorce. Hey! To get started, head over to WarbyPorkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Warby Porker? That's a very different website. I was projecting. Very different. I mean, I project in all directions. Give them them that link one more time. Oh, sorry. To get started, head over to WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Again, that's WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Don't Google Warby Porker. You'll regret it. Don't you like how I remembered this time? Mm. Look at me. Growth. Peking Kobe Loba's working. (laughs) Echinacea. I'm not remembering to take it, but sure. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing good, actually. A little under the weather, but I don't, I think it's like change of weather or I don't know. Just like I feel floaty. Yeah. That makes any sense. I feel this. I'm very, um, I'm very congested right now. And, uh, I regularly feel like, I guess what I imagine it feels like to be allergic to cats. Like that's just like all the time for me right now. Ooh, like itchy, <coughs> itchy, watery, like itchy, dry eyes, basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure I have seasonal allergies and I should go see a doctor to confirm that. Right. Mm-hmm. Go to an that's, allergist. Is that what you do? You go to an allergist? I, I went to, I think that's what, yeah, I went to one a long time ago and they do like, they, I mean, when you're going for like a whole battery of stuff, you can ask them to test you for like everything under the a sun. Battery of stuff. Like a battery of tests. That's what they call it. When you run like a, Oh, like a murder of crows, a battery of tests, yeah. a pride of lions. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. So they poke you, they do all they scratch sorts of, you, yeah, all sorts of shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thankfully hmm. I'm not allergic to anything. Well, like, terrible. I have an allergy to sulfites, but that's it. Sulfites in wine, it makes my face red. But I feel mm. like mm, there are a lot of people. Those who... are also the things that give you headaches and migraines. Oh, and like, um, I. think think there are yeah that's like what's in deli meat it's it's okay. things right because I, I know that it's like deli meats and isn't it cheeses. nitrites nitrites, nitrites and nitrites yes that's what's wrong in deli thing. meat yeah but that can also give you like headaches and stuff oh i didn't know that um yeah red wine gives me a headache like you i love it but like if i have more than like three glasses and i'm not 
having something else with it the next day it's like it's not even a hangover it's just a migraine really yeah from wine red wine in particular and that's Mm. basically all i drink when we do have wine but like i I have to make sure i'm having food with it or you know because it's not it's not a hangover Mm -hmm. i just i feel like all the moisture has been sucked out of my like brain and it hurts well that's just dehydration well yeah but it only happens with red wine Mm. anyway interesting um but yeah i don't know what this is i think it's just kind of maybe seasonal allergies or seasonal affective disorder or something but i just feel very um like that claritin commercial where the person's head is like a balloon yeah that's what it feels like lately wow yeah um what have you uh what have you been up to other other than that other than being seasonally allergic allergized (laughs) Ooh, i'm allergized seasonally seasonally allergized (laughs) There you go. I got it out. You've been working. You might meet Debbie Harry tomorrow. I don't know if I can talk about that. No. We well, that well, was that was me talking about it. That would have been yesterday. But no, because I didn't go to that. So I don't know. Stay maybe, tuned. Maybe, maybe you'll catch her maybe. walking into the room. Yeah. One way. Um, can you please tell her that I loved her in Hairspray? I will. If I meet please her, tell her. Please know. tell her that she was my babysitter growing up. Please um, tell her that. <laughs> I'm kind of excited. I like okay. So I don't know if we're recording this or like if I'm going to this or not, depending on if I decide to stay. But I might have gone <laughs> to uh, Manic Panic's uh, book launch, which is being held at um, my job, Hell Happening, um, which is very exciting because Tish and Snooky are like really good friends at the galleries and all of that. So that should be exciting if I end up going. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, <laughs> I've been I've just been working a lot. You know, and like just still kind of like finding my footing and just sent out our first show or, or rather my first show since I've been there that we had to deinstall and that mm-hmm. went very well. Um, and I'm really excited about the show that we're opening on Thursday, mm-hmm. which is of this artist who creates um, fans that the like what would be the fabric mm-hmm. is made of eight, 16 and 35 millimeter film um, just of different like topics um, or rather from different films and things like that. And so we have like a bunch of different installations. So that should be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you need wo- to lean in. Yeah. Sorry. Way. So I've been working on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just kind of like getting to like form bonds with my new coworkers, which I find is a skill that I hadn't really employed in my past like two jobs since I left the Hispanic society. Hmm. Um, because I would disagree, but okay. Well, I try, but the thing is like it, it was just different. You know what I mean? Where this kind of feels, I'm not going to say it like feels like home because that like I haven't been there long enough, but I feel at ease. You okay. know what I mean? Like I, I feel um, like I'm not anxious about just being there and like, you know, kind of the dynamics. I just feel like I'm going with the flow, which mm. is nice. And that's where one of the things that I did want to talk about today briefly is that I think it's important in, important. <laughs> it's important. Um, it's important to <laughs> find commonalities with your coworkers. Uh-huh. And, and that, and I think that like it just at a really basic level, I found that that has really helped me throughout my career because you don't have to become friends with them. You don't have to become best buds or even go out to drinks, but it's more like forming, um, a bond that helps you get through the day and kind of just to be um, collaborative. And I think that mm. you do that by finding 
commonalities between each other. And that, I think, just goes for everything, really. Just find some way that you can connect to somebody, right? right? And then I think that that makes it easier to deal with stressful situations and stuff like that. And I'm really enjoying the bond that I'm forming with one of my coworkers, Catherine, who I had actually worked with at the Museum of the Moving Image. And now we're kind of like reuniting which yeah. is nice but it's it's like kind of we anchor each other which has been really nice and i haven't felt like i've had that in a long time um well, and so good. yeah and we share a lot with each other and i wanted to share something that she shared with me last week um because i thought it was really great and we were just talking about like dealing with trauma and kind of moving forward in life especially as a person of color and, and things like that and she said you know i Basically, what she believes in is that we're all born with this um, kind of metaphorical treasure box, right? It's a really beautiful rhinestone bejeweled box. And that's where all of your your blessings live, basically. You know, talents or breakthroughs and things like that that you might encounter throughout your life. And that that box accompanies you everywhere, right? And so... At any certain point or at, at certain points, when you experience like an aha moment, it's because you've reached into that treasure box and you've taken something out or something unexpected happens that's good. And it's because that treasure box decided you needed it and it opens. Mm-hmm. And and then sometimes when you're in a moment of crisis and you find a way of coping, it's because you've just thrown it open. And I really found that to be a really beautiful um, metaphor for like inner strength and talent and all of that because... It's hard to think of that stuff sometimes, I think, is just like living inside of yourself. Like when if, if you're trying to do like, um, is it called like self-actualization? I, I think? guess. Or like or like a like a visualizing exercise, yeah. you know? Um, so thinking of having all of these good things and like surprises and talents and stuff like that in this little con- beautiful container that just like follows you around it's almost it kind of changed my perspective on the whole thing mm-hmm. and i was like oh so it's just like right there it's just, it's always there mm-hmm. and I, and now i feel like i can actually see these things even if i don't know what they are mm-hmm. and i just thought it was also a really beautiful uh metaphor um so yeah, yeah i just wanted to share that with everybody um she called it her queer as fuck metaphor because <laughs> that's what her roommates called it when she said it you know when she she goes, I was living with all these queer people and I said this to them and they called it queer as fuck. And I was like, but I think it's great. It is very queer. It is very queer. But I don't know. know why you why but you think it's great. Like there doesn't need to be a but. It's great. Yeah, exactly. But it's I'm also like, very queer. It's, it's amazing. It is very queer. But I think the best things are very queer. So Okay. There There's that but again. <laughs> well no, it's my Just, and I think. It's it's it sounds like a sure but sure but like it's yeah. not it's, it's not that like it's the opposite they of that somebody but they're really a nice person exactly <laughs> sure no what, what i'm saying is like i think what Catherine means by this metaphor is like um there doesn't need to be a you know uh like there doesn't need to be a but like mm-hmm. the the treasure the treasure box is the like the antithesis of the but mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah you open it and it makes you like it gives you all of these magical tools for you to just be your truest self. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, your um, your true um, purpose mm-hmm. essentially comes out. Yeah. You know, whether it's just for a moment or for like a career or whatever. Like, yeah. I just I, I when you told when you shared that with me, I thought it was really beautiful. And I'm very excited to meet Catherine. Um, so hopefully I meet her tomorrow, which means Thursday. Yeah. Because, yeah, because time is funny. Um, <laughs> I know. 
Um, I, um, so I wasn't going to talk about this on the podcast, but I figured what the fuck, let me share it with you guys. So, uh, I recently had a death in the family and, um, as everyone knows, uh, or I, I'm, I'm assuming everyone knows this, but you know, normally when there's a death in the family, there's always, uh, like reconnection and, um, and just like joy that is experienced as like a side effect of having to come together to mourn the loss that that occurs and um so uh yeah there there was a um wow you're really distracting me right now um there was a um basically there was a service for my uncle who passed in florida and a bunch of my family went and i'm kind of i'm not disappointed i made the decision i i made um, and that's that, like, I made the decision not to go because, uh, my family told me that there was going to be a memorial, uh, up here. Cause my family is originally from New Jersey. So that there's going to be a memorial in New Jersey. Um, so, but there was so much, like I kept in touch with my sister who lives in, in Florida and I was asking her like what was going on and all this stuff. And there just, there was a lot of reconnecting that was going on. Um, so one of the things that came out of it is, um, I have this cousin who I was really close with, um, probably like, I would say, uh, like late teens, early twenties, we were really, really close. And then, um, still trying to piece together what, what happened, uh, with her, but we basically lost touch and, um, well, no, I, I cut off communication with her and then, um, and so we hadn't spoken in a really long time and she messaged me today. And so, um, I thought it was really sweet that um, what triggered her messaging me is that her son found a photo where I'm holding him like he's a baby and I'm holding him. And, you know, he was like, mommy, who's this? And she explained that I'm his uncle and that, you know, they hadn't seen each other. And he started asking, like, well, where is he now? Um, So I just thought that was a really sweet story. And um, I actually really like. You know, I remember being in that kid's life for like the first year. Um, and I don't know. I'm just I'm really excited to reconnect with her. She was always fun. Like it, growing up, whenever she was there, it was like party time. You know, she always had the best music. She was like the teenager that I wanted to emulate the most out of all of my family. Um, she was that she was the only teenager that didn't make me feel like a child, which was really interesting. Um so I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very like hopeful about this whole reconnection thing. Um, but I guess so an interesting thing is so she messaged me today while I was on my way home and I responded to her telling her that I'm really glad that she reached out to me and that I would love to reconnect and all this stuff. And then I started to get a stomach ache because I I disconnect from certain members of my family on purpose because I'm I do it for um, self-preservation. I'm sure there are other people who have similar situations oh absolutely (laughs) maybe maybe someone who's in the room um and so uh i think what and i don't know why my sometimes there are times when my brain moves really slowly and then there's times when it goes at warp speed and i immediately thought of having to reconnect with my brother as a as a side effect of reconnecting with my cousin because i know that they still they're still in contact and i don't I don't really talk about my brother. It's just like a lot of childhood trauma when it comes to my brother. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that 
something that brought me so much joy was then able to also like crush me immediately. Mm-hmm. It just, it's something I'd never experienced before. And, um, I just thought I would share it cause I just, I don't really know what to do with it. I'm, I mean, I, I think I should email my therapist probably and tell her about it or at the very least write it down and like mm-hmm. hang on to it until the next time we meet. Yeah. I don't think that's terribly uncommon. I feel that like once a month when I think about reconnecting with the half of my family, I don't, um, talk to anymore because i just i disconnected from a whole branch of my family but it's like i think like the stomach ache is that it's 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 like your mind's way of like figuring out the like the strongest like physical message it can send you (laughs) to be like proceed like happy but then proceed with caution Mm, and that's what i think it is because you know Listen, I I don't think like if if I explain to, you know, members of my family that I don't talk to why I don't, I don't think that it would be received, not even that it would be received the best way is that it just would not be, you know, I don't like, think they validated. Let you finish talking. Exactly. Honestly. I think it would just be like, oh, and and so that's what would give me a stomach ache because yeah. I love my family. I do. But but loving your family is just not enough sometimes. You have to like them and you have to want to spend time with them. Right. And so that those are like the fun feelings, like when you actually do like them and you want to. And that's what I yeah. think about. Right. But then totally I'll get like a almost like it's like heartburn, but it's not coming up. It's going down like mm. the burning's going down. Right. Whenever I think about picking up the phone and like calling, because then I know it's like we obviously cannot just like start, you know, like it has to be addressed. Yeah. And that's the thing where I, I just, I get so exhausted from that because that's where it's like, but we've, we have addressed it, but then you have to do, it's, it's a lot of work. So have you, okay, I'm going to ask you two questions. Have you thought about, uh, what it's going to be like when you do reconnect with them? Cause I feel like that is like sort of, I don't know if imminent is the right word, but like it's pretty much unavoidable, mm-hmm. I think. Um, that's number one. And number two, is something that I completely forgot. So go ahead and answer number one. Yeah. Um, I do, I do think about it. And, and I, I, um, the thing is, it's kind of this very like, um, murky image or whatever. Because the thing is that well, like, I I'm, don't, I'm talking more about like what the first conversation is going to be about. Oh, I absolutely, oh, yes. I, I can, I could like write it down for you because mm. I know exactly what it's going to be about. And have you ever written down? Your end of the conversation, essentially. No, but I have it memorized in my head. Oh. Because I, the thing is, it will be a repeat of the last conversation I had with this member of my family. I just, I know it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. At this point, I'm just like holding out to, to, to receive the phone call. Because I feel like I've, I've, I've put in my end of the explaining and or atoning or whatever you want to call it. Right, like right. I've, I've done that. And now I'm waiting for the, not even, and I'm... You don't need it. I'm sorry. It's not what it's about. It's yeah. just like, okay, let's not do this anymore. Yeah. That's it. I'm really good with that, but I know it won't be like, it just, even when we reconnect, there will be those moments where it constantly comes back up mm-hmm. and it's just like, no. Yeah. So that's, that's the stomach pain. Well, the other thing I was going to ask you, because I've had, I've had reconnections with other family members and we basically just don't talk about the reason that we lost touch basically. Um, 
And you've kind of decided that there needs to be a conversation should you ever reconnect with this family member or with these family members. I don't want to have a conversation about it. So you would be okay with not addressing it? Yes, because then I feel like we're even Stevens in that respect. Because we both had our say, and I won't get into it because it is very messy, I think. And it's just like I've admitted my wrongs till the cows come home. And I just wanted that I not, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm admitting it. I'm atoning for it. Can you not label me as, you know, all these other things that right. go along with it? Because there were agreements in place. But anyway. Yes. I just, I don't want to, because it will get too complicated. But um, I, like, I'm just tired. The idea of it gives me fatigue. Right. You know, and I think it gives most people fatigue. It's not fatigue of doing the work because I will do the work, but I know I'm going to hit a wall. Right. I think that's that's where my stomach ache maybe came from too. And and I think I think you can sympathize with this. I think most people can. I just like I I don't feel like like if you have two parties that are in a fight, right? A Mm -hmm. and B, and A is like. Yes, this happened, and I'm sorry I did this, or not even I'm sorry. This, whatever the like version of just taking responsibility is, A does it. Yeah. B has also done a certain number of things that have nothing to do with what A did. Right. That A, that A has been trying to get B to acknowledge. Just acknowledge. Like, you don't even have to say that you were wrong. Right. Just don't pretend. Like these things weren't said, like these attitudes were not displayed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to understand that you also played an equal, if different, role in, your role in, in, in yeah. creating a schism. Right. Right. And that's the thing that gives me fatigue because those are that, like, that's one thing that I have a very hard time um, with is that, mm-hmm. like, if I'm going to acknowledge what I did, you have to as well. Yeah. And that's it. Like, we don't, we really, it's not even like a fault thing. Well, yeah, it's it's fair. It's a very fact-based exercise. Right, right. You said this, and I did that. And that's it. But those things, I think, rarely ever work out that way. Right. Well, I just, I'm curious to hear what the listeners think. Do you, if you lose touch with a family member and it was for a particular reason, do you feel like you need to discuss the reason in order to reconnect? Or do you think it is necessary to avoid um i don't know is is it is it necessary to discuss that reason in order to avoid it happening again i guess um because that's kind of what i'm thinking about we're gonna take a break um when we come back we're talking about ellen we're doing it so stick around we'll be right back oh hi it's me robert and i have a question do you shop on amazon if so you can be a supporter of our show just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the amazon button in our menu anytime you shop on amazon using our link we'll get a small commission on everything you buy and it's free there's no cost to you as the money comes out of amazon's pocket not yours so bookmark it use it and every time you buy from amazon you'll be helping us keep the key key going we're back. And Daniel, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> I love the way you address me. And Daniel. Um, so we're talking about Ellen DeGeneres, um, who... Oh, my on- God, I love her. Oh, my God, I love her. Uh, she, she's... Oh, my God, I love her. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. 
The funny thing is that, and so Ellen um, has been in the news as of late. Are we done? Yes, I'm done. Uh, are we done? Um, she's been in the news as of late because she was seen at a Dallas Cowboys football game in a like a luxury box, I guess is what it's called, sitting uh, ne- with, with, with Portia de Rossi, uh, sitting next to George and Laura Bush, having a gay old time. Oh. <laughs> well, not that gay. Not Well, not on that half. Um, on that side. But anyway, um, so photos of them at this game circulated and she's been criticized for it. Um, and I think, not that I think, but rather what has kind of incurred the uh, ire of the internet has not necessarily been her hanging out with them. It's the way that she responded to it on her show. Because... Right. It is really weird to see this uh, LGBT icon, because that's what she has become, um, sitting... Okay. Yeah. Yes, I'll hold, I'll, yeah. I'll hold my applause. Go ahead. Okay. Sitting next to, like, what until... Who until recently... Th- sorry, this man who until recently was considered the worst president in U.S. history, until Donald Trump became president. But even then, I still think... That George Bush Jr. or W. George W. Bush was our worst president because of all of the. Well, but, but, okay, bear with me, right? Eight years. Hopefully, this one will only last four, but it was eight years of war crimes, beginning a war that we did not need, uh, racism, anti LGBT legislation after legislation, like, it was very dark the, and the the i want to say like the um the like the opening of the floodgates of islamophobia i feel absolutely. like the, the floodgates opened yeah while Ab- he was it, it, in it all he had the power to deal with 9-11 in a completely different way and i was, would argue that the the in the short mm. not short period but in the amount of time that trump has been in office he has done similar damage yes that's true to bush and in, in all eight of his yeah. years um well if anything i think that trump is perpetual like reawakening what bush only just got started to be quite honest with you because it's okay it's like in different directions I mean, but I, I think it's a wider net i feel like i feel like comparing them to each other is sort of like comparing uh trauma it's not it's yeah. not fair to do that yeah they're all equally bad yeah even if they're different that right. that's what i'm trying to say is that i think trump is Another branch, just as bad. Let's not branch out in that direction. Anyway, but um, so Trump is the Goulden's mustard of catch, of uh, presidents. They're number two, and that ain't bad. No, no, I don't know that That's reference. A pitch perfect or picture perfect reference. Anyway, continue. Um, oh, where was I then? Now you just because now I'm so um, George Bush so, and so Ellen they were hanging at out game, at a football game, right? And and so people were like, "What are you doing? How are you hanging out with him?" So on and so forth. And so then she goes on her show and um, pub, 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 blah, 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 publicly addresses this. And basically, at the end of the day, it's like she's saying, well, you know, we all have friends who don't, that we don't see eye to eye with, but we're still friends. You know, like you, I, like, I you know, I'm anti-fur, but I have friends who are not anti-fur. Like, the, these who are her, fur. Who wear fur. And so, but this is not the same thing. Not at all. 
like, and I get it, like, you, you, you know, so this, this for me, anyway, from, from my own personal perspective, it's, it, it, it's like I was saying before, we're talking about families, it's like, accept the role that you played, and that this looks, it is bad. It's not even that it looks bad. This is bad. Like, this man, at one, I, well, I, like, I don't even, okay, so I'm not. I'm not looking to Ellen DeGeneres to be the voice of my queer generation because and she's yeah. she hasn't been for a very long yeah. time. And she proved it when she brought Kevin Hart on her mm-hmm. show a couple months ago and essentially referred to the people who were saying that his homophobic tweets needed to be apologized for as his mm-hmm. haters. Like she proved that she is not only out of touch, but that she um, some in one of the articles you sent me uh they referred to it as class something like um it's a, it's an act of class solidarity class solidarity and, and that's what this all yeah. is it's like so what she said was don't let those people win host the oscars right and and it's it's that ellen ellen who was thrown out of her house by her parents when she came out as gay to them right mm-hmm. so has attained a level of privilege by you know throughout her career and and becoming essentially like the safe lesbian mm-hmm. on TV, right? Like yeah. I'm sure that 99% of people who watch her show do not think about the fact that she's a lesbian because that has been completely like it's not addressed, right? For the most part. And it was funny because when this came up, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, I don't think about her very like barely ever, ever. Right. I right. don't watch her show. You know, I I think the last thing that I that we watched was her her comedy special where she talks about how out of touch she is. Right. And so for me, that that that's what I like pissed me off the most was that she did not just say, I understand that I upset a lot of people and there and you're right. But like then use the butt. But it this is not good that she's hanging out with. Yeah, you know, it's sort George of Bush. it's sort of interesting that she didn't take the stance of um oh I'm I'm opening hearts and minds because mm-hmm. like even if she wasn't who's going to know? Or she could have just been like fuck you, I'm friends with George W Bush, mm-hmm. get over it. You know yeah. what I mean? But equating it with all sorts of other things is very well, odd. Essentially to make it sound like uh, a person whose legacy is uh being a war criminal, starting a starting a war basically because someone like was like Nana Nana Poo Poo, I hate your dad. Um, running for re-election on like using using LGBTQ rights and and marriage equality as um, as a tool in assisting him in getting reelected. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are other things that I'm forgetting, but like, I think that we, I think that we're at a point where we're like, okay, you've been disqualified. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so you can't compare someone who has a legacy for that to someone who is theoretically like, oh, you know, like someone who's like, not in my backyard, like. Mm-hmm. they the those two things don't it's it, in one in one instance it's all theoretical and mm-hmm. in the other it's in a textbook you know like you can't compare the two mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about like wearing fur and her being like uh, one of the articles called her an ex-vegan which i was like ooh, shady i see you i, I know see right? journalist yeah <laughs> they were just pulling right like let's bring it all out uh, to me i guess as a queer person right what what bothers me is that 
there's an entire website dedicated to each and every moment of queer visibility that has come as a result of Ellen coming out on her TV show. And this is her shitting on her legacy. Mm-hmm. Not that I care. It's just like, I'm acknowledging that I'm alive and seeing this happen. That's it. That's yeah. essentially it. I could care less who Ellen is friends with because it means shit to me. Mm-hmm. But I, as a queer person, now am maybe going to have to defend Ellen's actions to a non-queer person at a party at some point in my hopefully very distant future. And it's like, I don't want to have to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to be tied to Ellen just because we're both members of the queer community. Mm -hmm. And that makes me angry. Also, like her speech was so dismissive because Uh it had everything to do with not, like it had nothing to do with what was was actually being criticized. Absolutely, like, she, said, she oh, didn't show a single no. tweet Mm-mm. that like, was criticizing oh, that. They get mad and they tweet and talking about the referees and the scores and how she's really a Packers fan. And it's like, oh my god! Like, and that's the thing where it's like you're invoking your privilege of agreeing to disagree, mm-hmm. like because you can, you have the money to back it up. Your career is not going to suffer because all of these people who watch daytime TV, like you have lots of, you know, uh, uh, oh my God, the opposite of uh, conservatives, right? Who are probably fans of your show. So it's like tons. You're not going to suffer. And that is privilege. Mm hmm. She has the privilege to hang out with George Bush and be like, fuck it, anybody who criticizes me, you know. And then, of course, she uses a tweet um, where somebody wrote, Ellen and George Bush together makes me have faith in America again. And it's like, again, Bush, faith, America. It's like, like, it is a it is a, a wonderful country to be in because of the freedoms that were afforded. But we also cannot continue to hold certain politicians like with this revered status just because they're an ex-president and that's a big problem in this country you know where Mm -hmm. like as it is we are paying for them to be protected for the entirety of their lives yeah okay like we pay for those secret service details and we're paying to protect a man who committed committed and and well obviously not by his own own hand because he wouldn't get his hands dirty but like authorized heinous uh war crimes yeah that he's never been bought um brought brought to justice for you know has never been he never you know and and it's one of the things that uh, of like one of the only celebrities who even bothered to point that out while people like Kristen Bell were like retweeting this and being like, hey, way to go, was Mark Ruffalo, who basically said that. And he was like, no, no simple acts of kindness, you know, when all of this is still essentially pending. Mm-hmm. It's like if if you're a war that it, like two, two we're two presidents later and they're still yeah. at at war. Yes, it, 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 it is still like we spent eight years trying to fix it. And then now that again, it's like more undoing. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is, it, it takes a, it, it, it takes so long to fix things. And it's like people don't realize how quickly things can get fucked up. Mm-hmm. And he had eight years to do it. So he fucked up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden, you know, he's this what older cute white man. Cause people think he's adorable now. And I don't get like, no, like, well, I think 
after Trump was elected, people started looking at George W. Bush as that ex mm-hmm. who was like only abusive when he got drunk, but he sort uh-huh. of quit drinking for a month. Mm-hmm. He like, hit me, but then he apologized the next exactly. day. Exactly. And and that's the thing where what why I said it like kind of the start of this is that up until now, I don't actually believe you know, it, it is it is looking at, at things in context, but again, these things still happen and he was at the helm of it. Yeah. And he could have really impacted how things were addressed and we are still dealing with that right like 18 years later right that's a very long time right you know um and and nothing to me feels like it's been rectified Mm. no matter how many wars you have and how many dictators you you know you overthrow and kill i still feel like he like incurred the wrath of so many people and made us look so stupid as a country that we're going to spend the better part of a century trying to like fix this mess yeah um but with that being said i i think like at the end of the day it's like wasted like i could care less about ellen to be honest with you like you were saying right i have never looked to her as like my queer icon and it really doesn't have anything to do with like my age or whatever it's just that i don't see her as being terribly radical she is this you know blonde white tv host who dances like you were saying yesterday like that's like ellen dances when she comes out on stage and it's like and mind you she's not a dancer yeah she simply dances she just dances an accident that for some reason people thought was endearing and i don't think that she's a terrible person but i think that what the way that she addressed this was terrible oh i'm it it i'm convinced i am convinced that she's a terrible person because of how she addressed this Mm -hmm. because of how she addressed the kevin hart thing uh there's just there's so many stories of ellen being cold and unfeeling about so many things from like the tiniest thing of like, I mean, I know that asking for a photo is not always the best, whatever, but like I've heard tons of horror stories from people about that. Mm -hmm. I've also heard tons of horror stories from people in the service industry who are like, Oh my God, Ellen came into this restaurant and she was awful. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, far be it for me, a man to, uh, to, you know, talk about how a woman is terrible. Cause that like, I, I understand mm-hmm. that that's not great. However, where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, and I think it's something that saying. like people, you know, she said people rush to tweet. It's like, yes, they do rush to tweet because Twitter is like where it all goes down. Like, but that's you're people... acting like you fell asleep for 30 years and woke exactly. up today. But like, at, that's but at the, the same society time, we live in. Like I was saying earlier about, um, you know, like you could really tell the celebrities who understood the like the true context of this as opposed to those who didn't so like Reese Witherspoon and Kristen Bell who were like oh th- yes if you take her message right mm-hmm. and divorce it from the context completely yeah try and find commonality with others who might be different than you like yes it is an act of kindness to find that middle ground Mm -hmm. this is very different yes like terribly different and it took jamila jamil from um the good place tweeting about it in which what i think was also kind of a plug for the fourth season of the show uh totally because i was like oh and I was like, totally. oh, oh, somebody probably told you. to." I, and I know people don't tell her to tweet things because she's very like. And I love her. I do. Don't get me and wrong. I love her. I love how real she is, even when people don't like it. Right. Yes. 
but this felt like a sponsored tweet and I was like Ugh. it fully was yeah it fully was and, and she so, didn't meant for it to go in the direction that it went at all no that was the, that was what sucks about it yeah and so people criticized her right because she said I've never seen someone in the public eye handle something like this in this way um and to use it to make what is actually an incredibly necessarily point in our society. We explore this in season four of The Good Place. Right. And yes, like I said, you divorce it from its context. Amazing message. Yes, like pin it somewhere. So people criticized her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, okay, hold on. Did some research and was like, oh, shit. And then, of course, people came for her again because they were like, how could you not know? And this and that. And it's like... She was grew up on the other side of the ocean where they were dealing with their own bullshit. And I dare any American, any like average Joe American living in this country right now to give me a comprehensive, like, you know, off the top of your head analysis of what the hell's going on. Of Tony Blair specifically. Like at this point, it was Tony Blair when George Bush was in, was in office. Was in office, right. But it's like, I'm not necessarily paying attention as an American to what is going on elsewhere because I'm busy absorbing all the garbage that's being thrown at me every day in the news about the country I live in. Well, especially she was in school at the time. Yeah, she was a teenager. And yes, she, you know, was graduating when Trump was, you know, Trump, when Bush was, you know, coming, uh, uh, leaving office. She was 23. But again, you are... It's just not, I, I I don't think the criticisms of her after she, like, accepted that, like, this was, like, a a poorly timed tweet, you know, and was like, oh, I just looked at it, you know, she did the legwork. She didn't ask for somebody to explain to her why it was wrong. She didn't, you know, tell people to back off. She was criticized. She looked into it, under you know, uh, comprehended the, the uh, extremes of the atrocities that mm-hmm. he committed. Yeah. And was like. Yeah. Okay. Let me take that down. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I should have, you know, l- looked into this further. I think that's responsible. And I think people should look at that as a, an example of what you do when you are being harangued on social media. Oh, absolutely. This is a great lesson in how to be wrong in mm-hmm. public. Um but can we also talk about how people are comparing Ellen being friends with George Bush to whatever you call the relationship that Michelle Obama has with George W. Bush? They sit I don't... next to each other in class because those are their assigned fucking seats. Exactly. So, And she called him a nice person and a funny man because she essentially is forced to sit next to him and yes. has to listen to all of his shitty jokes. Mm-hmm. And maybe one time he gave her a Werther's original from his back pocket. Mm-hmm. Like... And, it's not the same at all. And I understand that the 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 queerty writer who wrote this was trying to like push us in the direction of this thing with Ellen. It's it's kind of not even worth. It, it's a distraction essentially, you know, from like other things that are happening right now. I feel so, like most of us know that exactly. But I think that that, and I don't know if this was like I don't understand the point of this article about like why don't we criticize Michelle Obama. Because Michelle Obama does not have a choice. Right. Like, it, like at, at the level that she is, at the level that Barack Obama is, like, they had to go to the Trump inauguration. Right. She had to give Melania a present. Right. Like, this, this, it's called protocol, people. <laughs> like, it, and protocol is so ingrained in every type of political culture that it just, you don't deviate from it. That's why people were all up in arms when Michelle Obama gave Queen Elizabeth a hug. You're not supposed to. It's like forbidden. Right. So she can't not 
sit next to George Bush at functions now that she's a former first lady because they are, and even when she was first lady, I'm sure she had to sit where she was told to sit, right? Like right. that was just where protocol dictated. And so it just, again, this is not something that we need to be criticizing because no. this, this is very different. She, these are official functions that she is committed to and has to go to because of her, like, you know, um, status as a former first lady yeah he has to go to these things before because of his status as a former president and formers sit together right and it always has to be man woman man woman right that's how it is right so we don't like i i wonder if laura and bill clinton have the have a similar like whatever they compare hairstyles oh my god (laughs) so that means that in the future obama Barack Obama has to sit next to Melania. Unless they have him sitting next to um, Hillary. How? No. He would, yeah, he would sit next to Melania probably. You're right. Yes, 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 yes. Because it would be like Laura, George, Michelle. So so, so that um, means Hillary was originally sitting next to George Bush Sr. mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And again, I don't know if it's like in order of their presidency or whatever, but like this is just how you set a table and, you know... And yeah, maybe, you know, they have a chuckle and all of that. But Ellen made the choice to accept this invitation from the daughter of the owner of the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, she knew who was going to be there because they've already had interactions apparently that haven't been photographed. So it's like, we can't compare that to Michelle Obama having to sit next to him out of duty. How do you, th- what do you think? Um, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to posit this to you because I see them as similar. RuPaul and Ellen go out for dinner. Okay. They go somewhere super, like, super luxe and expensive. Who picks up the bill? Ooh. Like, is it like, is it like whoever invited, whoever has the higher net worth, whoever is like less, you know, embroiled in scandal that week? Which, who is it? Which one is it? What do you think? They go Dutch. They should go Dutch. I, cause I can't, like, they have to split it, cause I can't. (laughs) Like, I, cause. It's just funny. Could you imagine well, the conversation? Ellen never leaves her house, apparently, is what she said. So it was like, it's the one time I left my house. Ha 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 You're relatable. It's <laughs> like, okay, great. Neither do I. But I also am not like, you know, an icon in, in air quotes. Like, you know. Did you ever think you would live to see the day that you would be uh, embarrassed by both Ellen and RuPaul? No. Also, right? oh, I don't want to bring RuPaul into this. No, we don't have to bring RuPaul into it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm asking you that one question. That's all. No, you know, I know. I don't it's think sort of you ever do. I, I, I don't think even. you ever do because it, it is. And, and like, yeah, she's never been like my I, hashtag, not my icon. Um, but I like I again, I, t- I just don't really think about her. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I don't think I about th- her either. I think I think of Rosie O'Donnell more than I do Ellen. Hmm. I, because What's they were, Rosie up to? I don't know. I would love to know. I've always liked Rosie. And I loved, I loved when her and Trump had that like verbal, like sparring. I thought he, he hit below the belt, but I think, you know, she was valid. Let's get her elected so that they have to sit next to each other. Ooh, yum. Mm, 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 mm. I would love that. Mm. Could you imagine if Rosie O'Donnell was our next president? Ooh! And for the rest of eternity, 
Trump had to sit next to her at every single, mm, oh, it's so delicious. Oh my God, that would oh be. Oh my God, it's so delicious. Who do we have to call? It would be amazing. Oh, would be so and she's just like oh. shooting koosh balls at him with her little uh, slingshot like oh she used God. to on, on the show. Oh my God. I would love that. I would so love that. That'd be great. What is Rosie O'Donnell up to? I don't know. Wait, where does the, where do the vice, where do the vices sit? Anyway, that's a story for another day. That's a story for another day. They're at the kids' table. Um, yeah. (laughs) We've given we've 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 given a lot of our opinions. Why don't you give us some of yours? Tweet us, email us, let us know what you think of this and all of the other things we discussed. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. We're back. And before we get into our one minute Dragula review, we got an email. So Leah, who we interact with quite often, and I love it, um, wrote to us and said, thank you, Daniel and Robert, for your in-depth coverage of the Maxigate issue. <laughs> well, that's called Maxigate now. Um, issue faced by both Manila and Hollow. I understand your frustration with the FCC's vague description of what it is or is or of what, of what is or isn't considered obscene or distasteful. In the late 70s, my then-husband was a a jury member for a trial where a distributor of certain magazines was accused of distributing obscene material. One of the expert witnesses explained that the reason there isn't a clear definition of obscenity is because over time, the public perception of what is obscene can change. What was considered obscene in 1950 is now mainstream in some instances. I'm old enough to remember a time when there weren't any photos of feminine hygiene products on TV. All that was shown was a woman playing sports. Laugh out loud. Speaking as a woman, and only speaking for myself, I don't take issue with a drag queen wearing a maxi pad gown. Drag queens wear breastplates, pad their hips, cinch their waists, tuck away their male genitals, wear fake pregnancy pads. They're turning gender on its head in every other area. I thought Manila's concept and execution was tasteful and brilliant. The runway theme was padding, and it was so clever of her to use a feminine maxi pad as the theme of her dress. If her dress was blue instead of red, would it have been allowed? Should Hollow have painted a blue strip on each pad of her corset? It would have been a way to mock the current FCC restrictions, especially if Hollow had been allowed to talk about those restrictions. Because you're right, Hollow was seen as a hysterical woman who couldn't take critiques. How unfair. I'm also loving your UK Drag Race re- uh, I'm loving UK Drag Race and hope you continue your three-minute re- reviews. Cheers, Leah. Yay. Yay. I got through it. You got through it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gosh. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I love, um, I love that. Um, I love that she told us mm-hmm. how she felt about the dress. I really, I, I feel like we haven't really talked to a lot of people about uh, Manila's dress. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, which is interesting because we were we were podcasting about All Stars Four when yeah. it happened. So I think we addressed it, but we, you know, I I forget why, but it was when well because it didn't make yeah. it on the show. It if did, it had yeah. made it on the show, we probably would have spent a little bit more time talking mm-hmm. about it. But um, yeah, I um, I st- I still think that uh, I don't know. I feel like not every woman would have felt safe seeing a man wear a maxi pad dress. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm I'm like I said, I'm really happy that Leah shared her um her thoughts on it with us, and yeah. everyone continue doing that. I really mean it. Please. Send us send us your thoughts about everything. Because if you know things are things can change, then maybe in a year this won't be considered obscene. Well, sure, but also like we want to hear what you think. No, absolutely. no, I'm <laughs> I make it sound like. Right. We'll just fix it. No, I'm just saying yeah. I, I, I like the point that Leah brought up because she said it so succinctly about, um, you know, the fact that what's obscene does change. So it's it's really nebulous, I think. Right. You know. Right. And that's the reason that they that the the the, the rules are so vague. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, do we want to set a timer for the one minute Dragula review? Yeah, I think we should just do that. OK. So why don't you. Start the clock. Okay. Ready and go. I have nothing to say. <laughs> oh, I, um... Still, um, nothing but respect for my president, Landon Sider. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, they were all okay. Um, the, the freak show was fine. I thought Landon should have won. Um, Dahlia, that, that was a, that was a cool trick. That was you the know, best the look weights. she's done all season. It, it really was. I didn't know it was an Art of Week challenge. That I was like, okay. It was definitely great. underplayed. Um, Extermination, way too far. Way, yeah, way, way too far. Nope. I mean, Mm-mm. thankfully that, you know, thankfully... Um, Vander was there. Yeah, Vander was there to, walk to, them through it. to show them how to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't... I don't know. I don't think I would have sent anybody home this week, to be quite honest with you. I was surprised that they sent uh, Eva home. Well, again, it's cumulative. Yeah. That's why they sent it her is. home. It's but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm glad that Louisiana didn't get disqualified for passing out. So that's great. Um, should we go right into our one minute Drag Race UK review? Yeah. All right. Start the clock. And go. Much better. Oh, God. <laughs> Please. More bag of chips. I love bag of chips so much. Like I want a Costco sized bag of chips. OG bagger. Yeah. yeah. She's, she just brings me so much joy. Um, I uh, I thought it was a great acting challenge. Again, it was different. Again, I love that they're just it's it's like British culture, British culture all over the place. I think that's so important. Um, yeah, even though it's through an American lens, clearly they chose yeah, Downton Abbey. Exactly. So um, I I didn't think that Blue Hydrangea uh, deserved to be in the bottom. Who would you have put in her Cheryl place? Cheryl Hole because of that terrible bathing suit like that. Oh, what that she was, wore on the runway that was, was egregious. terrible. Yeah. Also, yeah. like if that ha- like for that bathing suit to have worked, her nipples would have had to have been like her by her navel. It was very strange. Yeah, I didn't weird. like it. It was lazy. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't have sent anybody home from that lip sync. No, it was a very good I lip agree. sync, and I think Scaredy Cat held her own. Yeah. In her own way. Um, I wanted to see more from Scaredy Cat. Yeah. I really thought Scaredy Cat was going to come on the show, be like, oh, I'm 19, I've never performed before, and was going to win the whole thing mm-hmm. and and leave us all, like, gagging. Yeah. But, you know, she has a future. Yeah. Also, her, like, Bond girl interpretation, I thought was very interesting. It was giving me a very, like, Penelope Pitstop, uh, what do they call it, Amelia Gayhart, I think. 
<laughs> I th- yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Sad to see her go, but, you know. Good lip sync song, too. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Let me get, get out my chic razor. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, do we have something in the keto corner? This we week? do. Mm. We actually have two things in the keto corner. Ooh, good. I'm hungry. So the first thing in uh, this week's <laughs> Keter Corner was actually what I just had for dinner. Uh, the Philly cheesesteak stuffed peppers from The Girl on Bloor. Um, these are super easy to make and tasted delicious. And it's also like fun to make because mm-hmm. it looks pretty. So you just like stuff a pepper with some grilled steak and cheese and a bunch of stuff. And you have three quarters of your meal and you pair it with a side. Um, and I it think looks we beautiful. Need, I think we need to get shaved meat. The next time we make this. I was supposed to cut it thinner yeah. than I did. No, yeah. we can't get... We have to actually cook it and, you know, like... But they have meat that you can buy that's, like, already thinly sliced. Oh, work. That's raw. Oh, we will so, have to do that next time. Yeah. But they're very tasty. I want to make a pizza version of this and, like, basically stuff a pepperoni pizza inside of the pepper. I think that'd be really good. Yeah. Um. So that's number one. The second thing... Is what I had for dinner. Yes. Tell us about it, Robert. Um, it is called the Instant Pot Keto Tuscan Soup from Eat Well 101. And as usual, there will be links to both of these recipes in the show notes. Um, it's a delicious... Um, oh, it's that's what that means in Italian. I was like, it's that soup they have at the Olive Garden. The one you eat with the breadsticks. Um, the Supa Toscana. It's Tuscan soup. Oh, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Super easy. I actually, um, I work from home on Fridays and um, I started the soup in the Instant Pot before I went to the gym and uh, I was able to let it do its thing while I was at the gym, came back and uh, opened it up, added the last Mm -hmm. couple of ingredients, took me about 10 minutes from that point. And I had a great lunch to have after I got back from the gym. So it was great. Um, Super easy. It took like... I would imagine that if you were just like in the kitchen actively working on it, it would take you maybe 20 minutes to make the soup from yeah. beginning to end. It was delicious. I loved coming home to it. It was so It was good. very um, comforting. Yes. And the kale was super tender, mm. which is mm-hmm. great because that always, you know, that doesn't always happen. Um, but I yeah. love kale in a soup. It's so yummy. It doesn't matter what kind of soup it is. It's mm-hmm. I love kale in a soup. It adds, there's like a like a hardiness that comes, I think, from the ribs, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I um, like leaving the ribs in. I know that yeah. like a lot of people are like, but it, it, it has like a... That crunch. It's like, it's like a celery crunch. But you know, like when you put celery in a soup, it doesn't always stay crunchy. Right. This gives you, you know, amidst all of this like wetness, there's this bite and i like that mm-hmm. um it was great i can't wait to make it again and um and it reheated beautifully so yeah and it that. goes a long way it sure does you know mm-hmm. so definitely try it out um well it's time for i'm so excited i'm so What are we excited about this week? Well, we're very excited about American Horror Story 1984. Um, You're I, very excited. About I am very excited about it. I'm speaking for the the, the royal we are very mm. excited about it. Uh huh. Um, we think it's amazing. Um, I think it's fine. I, for some reason, it it doesn't. I don't know. This is not like I'm not like a slasher horror film type of person. Generally, uh-huh. I've been getting more into them lately. I prefer. 
like a good possession movie or a witchy thriller, you know, something that is um, kind of otherworldly always gets me because it like really freaks me out. Okay. But I'm also really like attracted to it. So like blood and like, you know, all these really creative ways that they've found so far to like stick poles through people's faces because <laughs> they haven't repeated like the same gag twice. I don't think so. No. Because, well, because even when they put, the two people that got the stakes through their mouths, they were different ways. So, okay. They were amazing. Um, I just think it's such a departure from what we have seen in the past seven seasons. Yeah. You know, where it got to get stale and then it was just like, just all these weird, like, ingredients you didn't need. Yeah. This is very straightforward. For the most part, it is a, like, a, uh, what's the one that takes place at the camp? It is Friday the 13th. Yes. Because Nightmare on Elm Street is... Not at a camp. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I have seen them, but I don't remember. <laughs> I like that. It, there's something about it, it. It it feels really fresh. And they've changed up the credits, which is nice. I yeah. enjoy the credits a lot. Um, there's a, a, like a lot of camp elements to it, which are fun, as there always are. I, I really enjoy it. And Angelica Ross is still alive yes like uh. five or six and she's a major plot point so like yes right yes it, it, it it's it's just great i'm really enjoying it for the both of us yeah i mean i like it i just i don't know what it is i i have like a weird apprehension toward it because i don't i actually don't know why it has all of the things i love about it like it's referencing all of these great horror movies like there's um there's a character that has a like a sound Whenever they're, you know, nearby, mm-hmm. very Jason from Friday the 13th, um, there's a whole, um, there's a whole, um, oh my God, what is this movie called? There's a whole Texas Chainsaw Massacre element to the whole thing mm-hmm. in the fact that it takes place in the 70s and, mm-hmm. um, or no, it takes place in the 80s. 84. 1984. 84. Look at me. Um, the year of our birth. Yes, the year of our birth. Um yeah, there's just there are definitely elements to it that I love. I there was a there was a death on this last episode that I loved, um, but uh, for some reason it's just not really like grabbing me the way that it mm. probably should. I do love that they changed up the title sequence. I love that it's more of a slasher than this like really heady psychological thing like they've done in the past mm-hmm. where there are psychological elements to this. Yes. Very like Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. in a way. But it's more straightforward. Yeah. I think. There are a lot of twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious as to how some of these characters are still alive. But you know, I'm going to keep watching. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is good. The thing is, it's good. There's just something about it like... I hate to say it, but it's not Scream. Like, to me, Scream is, like, the pinnacle, because that yeah. was the movie for me. Uh, so I want everything, every horror movie I see mm-hmm. to be Scream, and unfortunately, most of them aren't. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I really did. I really do enjoy this season. I just, um, I don't know, I'm hesitant for some reason, you know? I feel like I've been hesitant for a couple seasons, and it's, well, it's residual. Yes, it has be, nothing be, to do with the content because, of this season. Because we're waiting, we're waiting for when he, I don't know if jump the shark is the right term for this, but when he does whatever it is that he does, you know, like when the aliens come down and they shoot oh, him. Oh, right. Like, it, it, where like we didn't, we didn't need that. Like it was a good little package and it was really cohesive. And cause I would argue that his, like whatever version of jumping the shark 
that could possibly Thank happen you. happened on this last episode and it was not that big a deal. It worked yeah, with the plot. Because there were already things that we saw kind of leading up to it. Right. Right. I also feel like that character is a direct reference to the crow. Oh, I wasn't talking about that person. But anyway, let's uh that's not oh. what I was talking about oh, at all. Anyway. Anyway, you wanna you wanna live in a spoiler. Um so the other thing that we're excited about is um, we were we were mentioned on a the most recent episode of Queer Walk the podcast, um, and um, we just we love them so like thank you Money and Nikita for mentioning us. No, they but listened. also but also thank you for listening. Um, they also did a really great episode where they talked about their pet peeves, um, and it kind of made me want to do an episode where we talk about ours. I think that would be fun. What do you guys think? I can give you a list in five minutes. Um, also, apparently, there are all of these great, uh, like, calming medicinal uh, properties to hibiscus. Oh, was another really? thing they talked about. Yeah. It makes me want to go out and buy all the hibiscus. I love you know? a good hibiscus tea. I've never had any, so it's now so I want to try it. Oh, let's go get some. Let's do it. We need it. You know what the other thing, and I'm saying it on the podcast so that hopefully we do. So they do a section called, or they do a segment called Curved Chronicles. And essentially what it is, is like, you tell a story about when you, when, when you like tried to reach out to someone to date them or whatever, hook up with them. And they, uh, what is the, what is the word for that? A curveball? Well, no, it's not a curveball. Because it's not like, not like they were like, we can hook up, but, you know, I live with my parents. It's not like that. Um, it's essentially where they like, like deny you in a sort of brutal way. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm trying to understand how it's connected to curve. Curved is when you are curved, like, like. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I. That's essentially what okay. a curved chronicle oh, is. Oh, I see. Um, oh, damn. Our like meet cute if you will is a curved chronicle so we should write in to queer walk oh yeah and share meet our yeah. curved chronicle mm-hmm. or i should write in because technically it is my curved chronicle yeah so mm-hmm. there's that um but check out queer walk they're amazing um and um that brings us to pettiness my favorite my pettiness is killing me and i so this week, Pettiness is dedicated to Rashida, because I'm not going to give you her Twitter handle, um, but Rashida, period, uh, she posts, or she tweeted, ooh, I sound like such an old person, Rashida tweeted, fast food workers don't need $15 an hour. It's a starter job, not something you keep forever. That's a hill I'm willing to die on. And as you can imagine, Twitter showed up to tell Rashida that she was wrong in prose, just you know delicious what what is it uh 280 characters of of prose um let's see um i can't read this person's like title or whatever but they responded well your grave's waiting at the end of the hill (laughs) um this one tickled me but also reminded me that i'm a bad person so peach said why do i feel like your mattress is on the floor Uh, Dane said, fast food workers don't get to pay rent, question mark. And then someone responded, nah, they get starter rent. Of course. Um, 
Let's see. Um, Donald Trump left the Kurd. What does it say? Left the Kurds to die. Wow. Said, yes, fast food jobs are just for students and young people starting out. That's why they're all closed between the hours of 7 a.m. and 3 p.m., right? All right, the last one. Alex J. Marin says, ah, yes, a starter job to pay starter rent and starter bills and starter tuition. Last I checked, landlords and bursar offices don't give discounts for people working, quote unquote, starter jobs. Yeah. Will you agree if everything were on a scale? Because she obviously thinks that. <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, one more. Spooky Cat War says, hurry up and die on it then. <gasps> um, I just, Twitter is an endless source of pettiness. And I am very petty. Why did she feel the need to, like... Why does anyone feel the need? Why do we feel the need to have this podcast? Yeah. Didn't mean to, to bring it to an existential note. But Whoosh. that's where we are. I... <laughs> and that tweet, it took me a minute. Because I was right. like, is she... Is she? Oh, she is. She like, is. It, because the way it's worded... Like, you have to really focus on what she's saying to be like, oh, oh, she's not, she's not being sarcastic. No. Like, she's... I think she did it for the likes. Honestly, there's also a link to her cash app in her bio. Of course so, It's just... I mean, listen, Rashida, I hope it works out. Like, if anybody deserves... You know what? Not even that. But, like, people who serve us our food need to be making a lot of money. People in the service industry well, deserve yeah, to be paid a, a livable board. wage. Like, you know, it's like they're not they're not just underfoot. Like my father's in the service industry and he makes sure that tens of thousands of people across the city don't have bug infestations in their apartments. And I'm sure from what he's told me that most people feel he's invisible. But if he were really right. absent, you would have roaches crawling on you. He also has to go in those basements mm-hmm. that are essentially like um legends of the hidden temple obstacle courses yeah with rats crawling above you yeah yeah with very strong whip-like tails yeah people who are willing to do those kinds of jobs they deserve to get paid for them mm-hmm. that's that's really that story <laughs> that's that on that yeah um well that brings us to the end of another episode we're grizzly kiki on everything that means facebook twitter and instagram so be sure to follow us there you can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and maybe we'll read yours on the air and don't forget to subscribe on itunes and spotify and wherever you're listening to this podcast until next time bye, bye.